Question 1. What does Sanatana Dharma mean? It can be translated as the eternal way of righteous living, although the word Dharma does not have an exact equivalent in English. Question 2. What is the actual name of the Sanatana Dharma? Is it not Hinduism? The Sanatana Dharma has been there since the time when no organized religions existed and as there was no other way of life, it did not require a name to identify it or discern it from others. The Sanatana Dharma was not started by someone or named after any individual. It is a way of life which is in tune with nature and is also steadily evolving. It is a collection of practices based on the principle of undergoing various stages through many lifetimes in order to experience universal oneness and attain superconsciousness. It has no fixed belief system, particular book with a code of conduct or heavenly messengers. It does not have any religious hierarchy or mandatory weekly congregations. Over the centuries, people created organized religions as a tool to rule over people. The fear of hell and the greed of heaven was put into their minds with the help of priests appointed by rulers. People listened to what the priests said, who in turn reported to the king. Their scriptures clearly say that kings are appointed by God, and this ensures that people don't revolt against their ruling elite. Invaders and proselytizers who spread their religions traveled to different continents and when they arrived into present-day India from the north, they started to refer to the Indian subcontinent as Hind or Hindustan and its inhabitants as Hindus. The term is believed to have etymological roots in the name Sindh, which is the name of the river in the region of Punjab. Although the use of the name Hindu was used to refer to the river Sindh, or Sindhu by Alexander in the year 325 BCE, the term Hindus was first used by the British in the 18th century CE for non-Abrahamic people living in India. Unfortunately, most people are unaware of the fact that the term Hindu has derogatory meanings in some languages spoken by those who invaded India. There are quite a few scholars who have researched Persian and Urdu dictionaries in which they have found the term Hindu to mean a robber or even a servant. The British frequently use this term to create differences among the Indian people so that their method of divide and rule could be successful. Question 3. What kind of a religion is the Sanatana Dharma? Is it based on polytheism, monotheism or any other concept? Please explain in detail. The Sanatana Dharma is not a religion. A religion can be defined as an organized system with a set of fixed principles and rules that the followers of the religion are required to believe in and adhere to. Whereas there is no such requirement in the Sanatana Dharma and those who follow it are not expected to believe in anything, in any god or deity, in a book or books or in any person. It is a path of self-discovery in which the final stage is simply dissolving into the whole. The Sanatana Dharma is neither polytheistic nor monotheistic. The basic principles of the Sanatana Dharma lean more towards monism. 
It is a way of life with traditions practiced by the Vedic people who worship natural forces such as Indra or rains, Agni or fire, Vayu or wind, Varun or water, etc. It aims at elevating everyone to a higher level of consciousness which automatically ensures people permanent peace and happiness. The Vedic culture is the oldest one that exists until today. It teaches equality not only among humans but also among all living beings. It never taught belligerence nor practiced proselytization. The Vedic way of life is a complete spiritual philosophy and the core teaching of the Vedas is universal oneness. Understanding the supreme truth of oneness, doing some basic study of the scriptures and being a modest seeker are sufficient for one to become a Sanatana Dharmi. There are no conversion ceremonies or assemblies that a person must join in order to become one. Question 4. Who is God? Why do we have so many gods and goddesses? The entire system, the divine principle or the eternal truth is God. The supreme truth can be visualized in whichever form a person chooses. The different deities and gods and goddesses are manifestations of the one supreme formless Brahman. Shloka 11.15 of the Srimad Bhagavad Gita, Arjuna said, I see all deities and various other living entities assembled in your body, O Bhagavan. I see Lord Brahma on the lotus flower, as well as Lord Shiva, many great sages and divine serpents. Question 5. What about the 33 crore gods in Hinduism? Before answering this question, I would like to remind you that the philosophy as per the Advaita Vedanta, God is not a separate being as in many organized religions, such as the Abrahamic ones. This being the case, the question of even one separate God, let's learn 33 crore gods, does not arise. As it is said that there is no smoke without fire, there must have been some reason or something that gave rise to such a ludicrous idea. There is a possibility that the 33 different aspects of nature represented by 33 devas or drayastrimsha were changed to 33 crore deities. 33 crore means 330 million. Assuming that you have a counting rate of 1 per second, it would take approximately 3,820 days or a little less than 11 years to count 1 to 330 million. And they say we have 330 million gods? How ridiculous can that be? The beginning and the end of understanding Advaita Vedanta is realizing that God is everything and everything is God. The self in every being is Brahman or Krishna and all the deities we worship are different manifestations of the same supreme Brahman. Shloka 10.20 of the Srimad Bhagavad Gita I am the self of Gurakesha or Arjuna, situated within all living entities. I am the origin, the middle and also the end of all beings. Shloka 13.02 you should know that the Kshetragnya, or the embodied self in all bodies of Kshetras, is me, Arjuna. Knowing about the Kshetra and the Kshetragnyas is called knowledge. Shloka 12.03 and 04 
Those who worship the imperishable, the indefinable, the unmanifest, the omnipresent, the unthinkable, the eternal, the formless, and the immovable have their senses controlled, possess a balanced mind, and are engaged in the welfare of others, certainly come to me. Question 6. Which are the Hindu scriptures that need to be read and followed? Most organized religions have one, two, or a set of main scriptures that are expected to be read and adhered to by their respective followers. However, as for the Sanatana Dharma, we could be talking of an immensely large divine library with innumerable scriptures. Nevertheless, in order to gain an understanding of the Sanatana Dharma, reading the following scriptures can greatly help. The four Vedas, the Rig, Yajur, Atharva, and the Samavedas. The Ramayana. The Mahabharata. Srimad Bhagavatam. The Srimad Bhagavad Gita, which is a tiny part of the great epic called Mahabharata. The 700 verses of the Srimad Bhagavad Gita are chapters 23 through 40 of the Bhishma Parva of the Mahabharata. It is a dialogue between Arjuna and his charioteer and guide Sri Bhagavad Krishna as reported to Dhritarashtra, the blind king and father of the Kauravas, against whom Arjuna and his army fought the battle of Mahabharata. The Upanishads. There are 108 known Upanishads. They come from the Vedas and form the essence of the Vedas. There are 10 principal ones among the Upanishads. They are Isha, Kena, Gatha, Rashna, Mundaka, Mandukya, Taitriya, Atriya, Chandogya, and Brihadaranyaka. However, in order to have a better understanding of the philosophy in a short duration of time, reading the Srimad Bhagavad Gita, the Ishavasya Upanishad, and the Katopanishad should greatly help. Question 7. Who is the real I? Am I the Atman? Instead of identifying oneself with the body, mind and intellect want to realize that they are the divinity in them. Question 8. What is the difference between Atman and Prana or life force? Atmana Esha Prano Jayate in the Prashna Upanishad means Prana, which is the life force or breath of life, is born of the self. The Atman is the self or the Jivatma and Prana is the life force which electrifies the entire body, connects all the parts through the cardiovascular and nervous systems and links the mind with the body. When the Atman quits a body, the life force also departs, leaving the body behind to decay and become one with the elements. Question 9. Am I the Atman, mind, or senses, or a collection of all of them? You are the Atman, or the Self, which is the Jivatma, and a part of the Paramatma. Your gunas, your senses, and your mind are carried by yourself through different Janmas or lifetimes. The experiences you undergo and the knowledge you gain move you closer to the supreme truth that you will definitely learn at a certain point in time. Question 10. 
What is the difference between mind and intellect? Which is superior? In the Katopanishad, Yama explains great truths to young Nachiketa using the analogy of a chariot. He likens the mind to the reins that are used to control the horses of a chariot and the intellect or buddhi to be the factor that holds the reins. Katopanishad 1.3.3 Know the self as the master of the chariot, the body as the chariot, the intelligence as the charioteer, and the mind as the reins. The intellect is certainly superior to the mind, which is a highly efficient tool that acts as an interface between the self and the bodily systems. Shloka 3.42, the Shumad Bhagavad Gita. The senses are superior to the sense objects. The mind is superior to the senses, but the intellect is superior to the mind, and the self or the soul is superior to the intellect. Question 11. Who is the doer and who is the enjoyer? People are neither doers nor enjoyers. The feeling of doing and enjoying stems from their ego, which is a mere illusion. Shloka 327 All actions are done by the three gunas or the qualities of nature, but he whose mind is deluded by false ego and arrogance thinks I am the doer. Shloka 5, 8 and 9 A person of selfless action thinks I am not doing anything at all, even while seeing, hearing, touching, smelling, eating, going, dreaming, breathing, talking, giving up, accepting, opening and closing of the eyelids, believing that the senses rest in sense objects. Shloka 18.14 The five factors are the body, which is the seat of action, the ego that claims to be the doer, the mind and the various senses, the different functions performed by the being, and the superconsciousness within as the fifth factor. The enjoyer is the Paramatma or the divinity within. Shloka 13.22 Yet within the body resides the Supreme Lord, who is also called the spectator, the one who permits, the supporter and the transcendental enjoyer. He is the Paramatma, the Supreme Self, and the great Bhagavan himself. Question 12. At whose command do we all perform actions? The combination of the gunas form the general nature, attitude, tendencies and character of a person. As said in Shloka 15.08 of the Srimad Bhagavad Gita, when the Atman leaves the body, it takes along with it the mind and the senses of the person it had formed and enters a new body to become a new person. That is how the thoughts, nature, feelings and desires of a person continue to exist in the new person. It is the attitude based on the basic nature of a person that makes people perform actions. Look at 3.36, Arjuna said, What prompts a man to perform sinful deeds, O Krishna? Why does he commit such acts even without desiring to do them, as if he were forced to do them? Shloka 3.37, Sri Bhagavan said, It is lust for power or for anything else which is born out of the quality called Rajasguna that leads to anger, which in turn prompts a person to commit sin. It is all devouring and greatly sinful. 
you must know that this is the greatest enemy in the world. A person who commits a crime or any other violent act does so because something from within tells them to do so, and that something is the drive that comes from their gunas. Since many people fail to differentiate between their self and their mind, they erroneously believe that they are their mind and that their ego is their own self. This wrong belief makes them easy victims of mass brainwashing through organized religions, which make them go to the extent of even killing themselves, other humans and other beings. Attaining spiritual wisdom helps people realize that their self is divine and this knowledge alters their attitude and general nature. It helps them to let go of their ego along with the feeling of doership. A person who renounces doership or ownership of their deeds is free from the actions caused by those actions. Question 13. Does karma work like every action has a reaction? That is, does karma take effect immediately? Every action certainly has a reaction, but whether the reaction takes place straight away, at a later time, or even in the future life cannot be predicted. No one has ever found the extremely perplexing algorithm of the way karma works, although the basic principle is simply based on action and reaction. Question 14. Why do bad things happen to good people and good things to bad people? How do we know that good things did not happen to good people in the past? Couldn't people who are currently undergoing troubles also have been in very comfortable situations earlier? Situations in life keep changing constantly. Nothing is permanent and whatever happens in life is a learning experience. Difficult and challenging situations are not punishments as said in Abrahamic scriptures, because there is no one sitting in the clouds and sending out punishments to people who commit wrong deeds. Challenging experiences are the ones that humble people and make them change their attitude, which in turn invites good things for the simple reason that the ego in them that blocks all inflow of positive energy from other sources into life is either weakened or does not exist anymore. Question 15. Why do some people get over bad karma quickly against some who keep struggling? There is no clear answer to this question simply because it is too vague and general. It's like asking why do some people fall sick and some don't? The closest answer to this question is that when struggle continues for a longer period, it could mean that they have still some karmic balancing or learning to do. Once that is done, things will start falling in place and their journey becomes smoother. All challenging experiences which are called struggles or sufferings are in fact great learning opportunities which take an Atman forward in the path of its karmic evolution towards attaining superconsciousness, moksha, salvation or the end of the cycle of birth and death. Question 16. Many karmas have happened before one got to know Krishna about the self and the dharmic philosophy, so who is to blame for this ignorance? There is no difference between the self and Krishna, because the self in all beings is Krishna. Shloka 10.20 I am the self of Gurakesha, situated within all living entities. I am the origin, the middle and also the end of all beings.
However, people, or rather the Atman in them, go through different stages in their karmic journey towards attaining oneness with the whole. One lifetime is an extremely minute part of the entire journey. A person born into a wealthy family could have had very poor parents in the previous Janma, or vice versa. However, it is true that it is the good past karma of people that leads them into dharmic surroundings and brings them in contact with dharmic people. Shloka 6.43 There his previous divine consciousness is revived and he comes in contact with the knowledge acquired in his formal body. He then works even harder in order to achieve perfection, O Arjuna. Shloka 6.44 With the divine consciousness from the previous birth, a person gets attracted to yogic principles as they will come to him even if he does not go behind them. Such a person strives for yoga and is steadfast in yogic principles. Understanding that there is no cruel God up there who punishes people for their sins or is waiting to toss them into eternal hellfire is the first step towards clear and sane thinking, which is what the Sanatana Dharma teaches. Once this point is clear, people will be able to comprehend that they can change unwanted patterns in their life if they change their attitude by gaining spiritual knowledge of the self using the amazingly divine stream of Bhagavad Gita which in non-spiritual terms is the most perfect mind management manual ever. It is due to sheer ignorance that people commit wrong deeds and amass negative karma which they are forced to balance through many janmas. However, once they hear about Krishna and his teachings, they are blessed with the great chance of, in fact, settling all their negative past karma simply through Sharanagati before him. Shloka 1866 Question 17. Can Krishna and Bhakti towards him alter our path decided by past karmas? Yes, absolutely. The first and foremost requirement is devotion because it prevents the ego of a normal perishable human whose every breath, every heartbeat and every moment of life are divine gifts from causing them to live in a fool's paradise believing that they are superior. Bhagavan Krishna said, Shloka 1855, It is only through love and devotion that a person can know me truly. Knowing me thus, he enters into me at once. True knowledge changes a person's perception of life and the different situations they find themselves in. Understanding verse 1866 should be enough to show that shedding ego and completely surrendering before Krishna are enough to set right the karmic baggage that one carries around through different janmas. Shloka 1508 When the soul, which is the master, acquires a body, it takes the mind and the five senses from the body it has left, just as the wind takes different odors along with it. Shloka 4.23 In the case of a person who has neither attachments nor the feeling of doership and has his mind completely established in divine knowledge, his actions being done as a sacrifice unto Bhagavad Krishna are freed from all karmic reactions. Question 18 what does true surrendering mean? How do we test ourselves whether we have fully surrendered? Just as Arjuna did, you too may begin with this shloka. 2.7 Karpanya dosho pahata svabhava prachamitvam dharma sammura chetaha yachreya shya nishitam bruhitanne 
With my mind in a state of confusion regarding my duty and the feeling of helplessness because of weakness, I ask you to tell me what is good for me. I am your disciple and I have surrendered my soul to you. Please teach me. Read the Srimad Bhagavad Gita at least two times. It takes about three and a half to four hours to read all the 700 verses once. Take the help of the new audiobook, the Srimad Bhagavad Gita, narrated by Tavamitram, which makes it easier to complete going through the Divine Scripture very easily while driving, traveling, taking a walk, or while resting at home. If you feel that it would be easier for you to complete the Srimad Bhagavad Gita by attending satsangs, you are wrong. First, read the book yourself before listening to the interpretations of other people. Satsangs would be more interesting for you once you have read the entire Srimad Bhagavad Gita because you will find it easier to relate to what your spiritual guru is talking about. Do your duty to the best of your ability and be prepared to wholeheartedly accept whatever the result of your work may be. Whatever you do, do it as an offering unto Krishna. Shloka 9.27 Whatever you do, whatever you eat, whatever you offer in sacrifice, whatever you give, whatever you practice as austerity arjuna, do it for me and as an offering unto me. Shloka 928. By doing so, you would be freed from the bonds of action that result in good and in bad. By being free and with your mind guided by the principle of the yoga of renunciation, you will attain me. Understand the basic principles of leading a dharmic life. Shloka 503 A person who neither hates nor desires the results of his actions is known to be a sannyasi or one who has renounced everything. Such a person is free from dualities and is therefore liberated from material bondage. Shloka 525 Those whose sins have been destroyed, whose minds are beyond dualities, who are always engaged in working for the welfare of all living beings, achieve liberation and absorption in the Supreme Bhagavan. Shloka 607 The one who has conquered his mind has already reached superconsciousness. Such a person has crossed all dualities such as cold and heat, pleasure and pain, honor and dishonor, and is always balanced, peaceful and steadfast in devotion. Read Shloka 1866 a few times and understand the Divine Promise. Question 19 which god should I pray to, demigods or Krishna the most superior? It is up to you. There is no compulsion nor are there any rules. The Sanatana Dharma is not a cult but a rule book. What do you mean by which god and which demigods? Do you think that they are some kind of spirits or beings of another kind? It would be important to remember that whichever date you worship is in fact a form that you visualize of the supreme all-pervading Brahman which is the personification of the entire system. The Sanatana Dharma is based on non-dualism or universal oneness. It is only due to the lack of Dharmic understanding that many Sanatanis have developed a faulty God concept which puts them under the impression that God is separate from them and that there are actually numerous individual Gods. The fact is that we use the term Supreme Brahman to signify or personify the entire whole and visualize him as Krishna 
All deities, living beings, and everything in the universe are expressions and manifestations of the Supreme Brahman. Shloka 1039 Furthermore, I am the seed of all beings, o Arjuna. There is no being, whether moving or non-moving, that can exist without me. Ignorance of this core principle of the Sanatana Dharma leads people to believe that it is a polytheistic one, when it is not even monotheistic but fundamentally more monistic and at the same time pluralistic. It might sound a bit confusing initially to some people, but when you read the Ishavasya Upanishad thoroughly, it will be easy to understand the complete whole that we are all a part of. Question 20. What is the true process of bhakti, idol, temple worship, or reciting mantras, and which mantras? The ideal way would be to have a teacher and follow his or her method, and later on improvise on them to suit your own personal time or other limitations. The term idol worship is a derogatory one used by Abrahamics in order to portray Sanatana Dharmis in bad light, who actually don't worship idols, but particular forms of the Supreme Being represented by Vigrahas, which are statues or images. People worship the Supreme Brahman in a form of their choice, and they show their respect and shower their love on the Vigraha, which is something that they can see and touch. Unless a person has attained great mind control, it would be extremely difficult for them to keep their mind under control and from wandering away. Moreover, it is impossible to visualize something that does not have a physical form. Bhagwan Krishna explained this to Arjuna very clearly. Shloka 12.05 Those whose minds are set on an unmanifest and impersonal absolute power face difficulties in reaching the goal. This is because people always identify with the body and when there is no perceptible form, it is difficult to perceive. Why would you want to reduce the Supreme Brahman to a spirit-like being that is separate from you and is not all-pervading? As Shloka 12.05 explains, it is only due to the need for humans to have a perceptible form of whatever they imagine or mentally visualize that they think of the all-pervading Brahman in a particular form. Question 21. Why do many Westerners who are not linked to Dharmic philosophy continue to be good souls? The Sanatana Dharma never claims to be the only path to righteous living or to attain salvation. It is a way of life that came into existence based on divine knowledge that wise people handed down through generations. Those who live a righteous life, respect nature and do good are on the right path to karmic evolution, for which they do not need to have a Sanatana Dharmic name or identity. Shloka 505 A person who is devoted to the path of selfless action, has a pure mind or a purified soul, has his body and senses under control, is compassionate to all living beings and sees his self in them, although engaged in work, is never in bondage. Question 22. What happens after death? What difference would knowing the answer to this question make in your life? Never get into the theories propounded by people who do so in order to fool others and swindle them. The truth is that the only way to stay alive and yet find out what happens after death is to ask someone who has died, which is not easy, if not impossible, for ordinary people. Bhagwan Krishna said as follows, Shloka 228, O Arjuna, 
nothing is known before birth and after death. The only period known is between birth and death. Therefore, of what use is lamentation? Shloka 808 With the mind not moving towards any other thing, made steadfast by the method of habitual meditation and constantly meditating, one certainly comes to me, Arjuna. Question 23. Can you give us some simple and practical steps that common people could follow in order to balance their karma? It is quite simple. Those who have managed to learn the basics of karma must have understood that whatever happens is a result of their own karma and that there is no being, planet, devil or some other force causing troubles or propitious events in their lives. This means that you reap what you sow. A person who is not pleased with their life needs to know that they were directly responsible for whatever happens in their life. So, for example, let us take the case of a person who is struggling for money in life. He or she needs to be clear about the fact that they caused themselves such karma. They karmically planted seeds which have grown into financial challenges. If such a person were to spend hours at a temple performing pujas or at the feet of a religious person who claims to perform karmic remedies for them, they need to understand that what they do goes against the principle of cause and effect. If you plant a sapling, you will have a tree in a few years, and if you do not plant anything, you will have no tree. If you wish to have a tree in the future, plant a sapling now. If you wish yourself a better future, you need to perform good karma. Past negative karma cannot be removed, but they can be outweighed by new positive karma. Past life impressions which people carry with them are the prime cause of the repeating of certain undesirable patterns in life. When Bhagavan Krishna says in Shloka 1866 of the Srimad Bhagavad Gita, Sarva dharman parityat jamami kamcharanam vrida aham tvam sarva pape bhyo mokrushyami which in English is, giving up all your ideas of righteousness or religion, take complete refuge in me. I will liberate you from all sinful reactions. Do not fear. What Krishna means is, dump all your old attitudes, patterns and wrong ideas of philosophy and follow my teachings. By doing so, you will break unwanted old patterns that you have been carrying along with you janma after janma and create a new blessed pattern which will lead you on the right path towards your final destination of superconsciousness. May you stay blessed with excellent health, freedom, peace and prosperity. Jai Shri Krishna.